Today's guest is John Davis. John had a near-death experience when he was 21 years old that changed his life. He was transported to the other side and given a tour of the afterlife, and today he's here to share his amazing story. John, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, Jeff, this is great. It's so funny because I it's great to be on your show. I've seen this show so many times, and it's actually just its a privilege to be on your show. So thank you for inviting me. And thank you for watching my show so many times. I really appreciate that. I love it. All right. So the audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. And if you don't mind, let's start on the day that yours happened and tell us what sure. happened. Sure. No problem. It started, um, I was 21 years old. And how this whole thing started is, is I was riding a moped or a scooter back in California. And I was making a right turn down the street. And there was a squirrel right in the center of the road. And as I turned to try to avoid the squirrel, the squirrel ran the opposite direction. And as I turned to avoid it, I smacked into a tree. I hit so hard and I landed on my hand that I tore about three or four tendons and I needed to go in and have surgery. Well, I had never had surgery before. I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know what to expect. So I go in to have surgery and I'm in the operating room and they give me the anesthesia to go to put me to sleep. And I can feel it going through my veins. It wasn't a bad feeling. I just, I just could feel it. And something happened when it got to my heart. I had an allergic reaction and it stopped my heart. And I actually was clinically dead for seven minutes. So that's when the whole NDE started. The very second that I died, the next moment I was aware of, I was in, I opened up my eyes and I was in the most beautiful marble building, beautiful white marble that I had ever seen in my life. And I thought to myself, the first thought I had was, oh my gosh, I had absolutely no idea this hospital was so large, but it wasn't the hospital. What actually ended up happening, and this is, I didn't know this at the time I was having my NDE. I only found out afterwards because when I was having my NDE, none of this was, there, were no, there was no such thing as a near-death experience. So at the time, I didn't know what anything, anything was going on. So what happened is I, I was in this beautiful white marble building and to my left, in my left ear, I heard, my name is Alan. I am your spirit guide. And I had no idea what that meant. So I just went along with it. He said he was going to show me the other side. Well, what the building I was in was again, this beautiful white marble. It was like a corridor. And when I looked up, as far down as I could see down this corridor, there was no end. It was, it was absolutely miles and miles long. To the left of this marble building, there were these doorways. 
They look like doorways that were cut perfectly out of the marble. Doorways or tunnels. And they, they were about eight feet high and five feet wide. And as far down as you could see were these tunnels. Right in front of the tunnel, about five feet in front of the, ta- in front of the tunnel, were these tables. Again, marble, beautiful white tables with benches on each side. And each one of these tables had two people sitting there all the way down as far as you could see. It was either two men, two women, a man and a woman, but they were all, there was always two of them. My guide told me that they were orientation counselors. And again, I had no idea what this meant until afterwards, but he said they were orientation counselors. To the right of these tables were, again, gorgeous white marble columns, probably 20 feet high, that went down next to each table and next to each of these doorways. So my guide told me to look inside the tunnel that was closest to me. So I looked inside this tunnel, and what I could see was very much like what your background looks like from your place, space. There were stars there were galaxies, there were planets in these tunnels. What I realized is when we leave the earth and we die, our souls come through these tunnels and the white light that's on the other side is infused down those tunnels. And that's how people are guided to the other side. He told me to look up because on the other side, some people call it heaven, the afterlife. My guide called it the other side. He said, look at the next tunnel. So I looked up and I looked at the next tunnel and there was a man coming through. And my guide said he had died of a heart attack. He was probably in his 80s or his 90s. He had his right hand holding his left chest like like he was having chest pain. And my guide said that he had died of a heart attack. So he finished his life. He came through the tunnel. He went through the white light. And when you go through the white light that everybody talks about, you are on the other side. And the very first thing you see are these people who are orientators. And I and he told me that people don't remember why they come into a lifetime on earth because all of that is forgotten when you come into an earth life because you're here to test yourself. You're here to grow and to learn and to develop. So when people come back from the other side, it's very confusing unless you have someone tell you, hey, Mr. Jones or hey, John or or hey, Rick, you just finished your lifetime and now you're back home again. Because the other side, that's our real home. That's where we live for eternity. So he came through this doorway and one of the counselors stood up. She walked over to him. She took her hands in his and she walked him back over and she sat him down at this table. And again, for some reason, I don't know why, but every table 
seemed to have two of these counselors. So she was sitting down across from him, holding his hands, and she was talking to him. But I couldn't hear what she was saying because I was too far away. But my guide said, watch the man very carefully. So as she was talking to him, this was probably maybe a minute. And this most bizarre thing happened. He began to change. He changed from being a man in his 80s or 90s to being a man in his 30s. <laughs> because over there, we're all 30. Nobody's old. Nobody's too young. Everyone's about 30 to age 33 on the other side. His whole visage changed. He turned into a vibrant, healthy young man again. And my guide told me that once a soul remembers why they came into life, they get all their memories back when they cross over that threshold onto the other side. And so they remember who they are and they get themselves back to what their normal state is. So I watched him some more. So all of a sudden he stood up, the counselor was done talking to him. So he stood up, he walked off to the right and he walked down between, remember I said there were columns on the right sides of these tables, these beautiful, gorgeous, ornate white marble columns that were just gorgeous. He walked in between them in every one of these stations that I guess, I guess you would call them orientation stations have a column next to it. And he walked down these three steps into what my guide said were the gardens. And what the gardens are, are, are where people have their reunions. So the, the gardens, and the only thing I can, I have never been able to adequately explain to anybody how beautiful these gardens are, the flowers that they have in there, the trees, the plants, the grass. The grass is more green and vibrant than anything I've ever seen on earth. It's almost like they're alive. The plants are alive. The colors are absolutely astounding. And what happens is we have reunions with people who have crossed before us. So my guide said, anybody who's crossed before you, whether it's grandparents, parents, children, aunts, uncles, dear friends who have crossed before you, they wait for us when we cross over and we all have a big reunion. I was told that when you come back from an earth life, it is a big deal for those on the other side because of all the planets that we can go to, this is the hardest one there is. And I'll get to that and I'll, I'll explain that why that is in a little bit. So I could see this reunion. It was absolutely incredible. So every time we leave, when we die on earth, we go through the tunnel, we go through the white light, we see these orient, we go into an orientation center they tell us that we've been in a lifetime, but now you're back, you're back to your old self again, and you have a reunion. It was just absolutely phenomenal. So that was the first building that my guide showed me. Every time he took me to a new place, he showed me the outside of the building first, and then the inside, so I could describe it. 
So the orientation center looked like, it's kind of like the Supreme Court Justice Building in Washington with those big columns and just super, super long. So the next thing he did after the orientation, he took me to what is called the life planning building. And this building looked very Roman, Greco-Roman architecture. All of them looked like that for some reason, but this one had a domed roof on it. And, and around the dome, again, were those beautiful white marble columns all in a big circle. And this building was huge. Just like they're all of them were just absolutely enormous, gigantic buildings. And what this building was, was where we go every time we go to plan a lifetime. Because you, I'm sure you've had other guests who've told you that when we come into a life on earth, it's not just some arbitrary accident. It's all planned ahead of time. So much of our earth life is planned. So we walked into this building and there were tables everywhere. People were everywhere. And on this table were two scrolls. My guide told me, these are your scrolls. We write out the details of our lifetimes on these scrolls. And for some reason, there was one with a blue ribbon on it and one with a red ribbon on it. I don't know why that was. I didn't even think to ask, what are these? I was just listening to what my guide said. He was telling me as I was going through this, just listening. So I walked over and I picked up the blue one. I took off the ribbon and I unrolled it on this table. And I could see on there that there was black writing. It was like a, it was like a scroll or a papyrus. It, was, it wasn't just paper. It was kind of like a scroll, like a rough scroll. And there was writing on it all the way from the top, all the way to the bottom. And it was in that old style of writing like calligraphy. When I went to try to read what it said, the scroll folded up and I wasn't able to see it. But my guide said, your life is written on that scroll. Well, I didn't think to ask how much detail goes into a lifetime. I didn't even think to ask that, but all I really knew for sure from that experience was that our lives are planned. Your parents, what country you're going to live in? Are you going to be a male or a female? What are you going to study in school? What's your career going to be? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? So details like that. So we are, when we are born, we know who our parents are going to be. So it's planned to that kind of detail. What I don't know is if our deaths are planned in that kind of a detail also. I just wasn't able to ask that question. And I, I wish I did because I would love to know, do we actually plan our passing? I have heard some people say yes. And I have heard some people say, no, you have free will and your death is when your body dies or you have some kind of an accident, then that's when you cross over. But I've also heard people say, no, that accidents are planned. If you die from cancer, that's planned ahead of time. But again, I don't know. So that was the life building, the, where we said life planning building. 
the next place he took me to was it looked like a gigantic, enormous football stadium. It was huge. So again, he showed me the outside and then we went inside and it was empty. There was nobody there. And I had the strangest feeling that somehow everything that I was being shown was somehow choreographed ahead of time. Because how else could they take take me on this journey that was only seven minutes long and show me everything that I was being shown? It felt like I was there for an hour, but I was only dead for seven minutes. So anyway, going back to the stadium, I walked inside, thousands upon thousands of chairs, and what this building was, was a planetarium, and it had a round roof. So if you looked up at the top of the ceiling, it was round like a planetarium is round. And I heard a voice. This wasn't my guide. This was a different voice that was behind me, and I felt like he was expecting me to be there. So he said, okay, go ahead and sit down and we'll start. And I thought, well, what are they going to start? This is going to be really interesting. So I sat down, all the lights went off. It was pitch black. And all of a sudden, the voice behind me said, when you look at the stars, this is what you see. And what he was saying is that you as human beings on the earth, when you look at the stars, this is what you see. And on the ceiling, on the planetarium, he began to show me all of our planets, Mars, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Jupiter, all of them, all of our planets along with stars. And I thought, well, that's, that's true. When we look at the stars, that's what we see. He then said, when we look at the stars, meaning people on the other side, this is what we see. And all of a sudden, all of the Earth planets disappeared. Our solar system disappeared. And one planet after another started showing up on the top of the planetarium. Blue planets, red planets, yellow planets, brown planets, thousands thousands and thousands and then millions of planets kept showing up. And he said, there is more life in the universe than you can possibly know about. And so what that meant was that not only are there planets like Earth, but there are planets outside of our galaxy, the Milky Way, that we can actually have lifetimes on. And he told me in that session it's a big deal when you go to your reunion, when you come back from an earth life, because the earth is considered to be the hardest of all the planets. Because we have wars, we have starvation, we have homelessness, we have all of these negative things that happen here. We haven't evolved to the point where all of these other planets have. And we have to face loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, those things don't always happen on other planets, but on Earth, it's the hardest. So he showed me that. So that was called the planetarium building. Absolutely. I, by this point, I was just 
blown away. I had no idea what was going on. And he was actually showing me now what we do on the other side. So that's one of the pastimes that we do on the other side. We, we don't just, I used to wonder what do people do when they die on the other side? What happens? I was raised a Catholic. So I believed there was life after death. I just never knew what it was. So one of the things they do is they go to the planetarium and they look at different planets. They have different shows of parts all over the universe. So that's what that planetarium building was about. The next thing he took me to was a, a library. And this was the largest building of them all. It looked like, have, have you ever seen, uh, what is it called now? It's in Greece. And... Like the Parthenon? It's, yes, that's what I'm trying to think of, like the Parthenon. With the, again, with the marble columns all the way up. Very, very long. It was, it was so long I couldn't see the end of it. And there were steps. There must have been a hundred steps of white marble steps. Everything seemed to be white, beautiful, pristine marble. Leading up these steps, about a about hundred steps going to the top to the platform. So when I was looking at it, I didn't know what it was at first. I didn't know what it was until we went inside. So I walked inside and there were books, library books, shelves that were probably 20 to 30 feet high, stocked full of books all the way down as far as you could see. And there were people sitting at tables. It was full of activity. People were sitting, they were studying, people were looking for books, they were talking. It was just full of activity. So my guide said, this is called the Akishic Records, where all the knowledge is stored. So if you wanted to learn something, and that's something that happens on the other side a lot, and it's what really has valued a lot, is learning and growing. So we do a lot of learning and growing while we're here on Earth. But on the other side, we also do a lot of learning and growing. Well, just like with our libraries here on earth, our libraries have rooms that you can go into and do a private study session or, or have a conference, something like that. Well, this library had the same thing. And this, this part is probably one of the most interesting parts for me when I had my near-death experience. He took me over to the left side, the left-hand side of this library, and all the way down the side, you could see that there were these rooms. They were probably the standard, like a standard living room size room. And you walk down two steps and there was a couch in each one of these rooms. And in front of the couch was a video screen and it looked like a flat screen TV, but it was large. And the one that he took me to, I was looking inside and there was a woman who was sitting there she was wearing a purple gown. For some reason, everybody over there that I saw seemed to be wearing some kind of a tunic or a robe or a gown. And my guide said that's because that's the most comfortable. But I saw people wearing jeans and T-shirts. So you can really wear whatever you want. But this girl had on a beautiful purple robe. 
She had jet long black hair, straight black hair that went down to her waist. She was sitting here in this room and she was watching a video of a live event that happened during the Native American Wars in the 1800s with the U.S. Cavalry and the, I think she's, I think he said the Lakota Indians. It was one of the Plains tribes and they were having a battle. And I, I remember thinking to myself and I asked my guide, how is it possible that she can be watching something that happened during a time when we didn't have cameras, when we didn't have videos like we do now, how in the world could she be seeing this? And he told me that everything is recorded. God records everything that happens in our lifetimes. So what this girl was doing, my guide said, she was researching that part of earth's history she wanted to go back and see what it was like during the Plains Wars to see the cavalry, to see the Native Americans. And she wanted to learn about this. And again, this library was all about learning and growing. And my guide said one of the biggest things about the other side is it's an environment that is full of growth. Everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to grow spiritually just like we do here on earth. We grow, we learn, and we develop. And that's essentially why we come here is to learn. So that just blew me away that how in the world here I was in the operating room of a hospital in Walnut Creek, California. I died. I'm on the other side or heaven. And I'm watching this girl who was watching a video screen of something that happened in the past. It was just, it just blew my mind. How could that be real? But God has the ability to record that it was it's. And then there's something else that happened. Have you ever seen, and I'm sure your, your viewers have probably seen this too. Do you remember the star Trek series, next generations Mm -hmm. with captain Picard? Do you ever remember the holodeck? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is then this will make sense to you. Inside of these these rooms that are off to the library, off to the side of the library, not only do you have the ability to watch and see live history, but you are able to walk into history and see it. So if you wanted to go back to Normandy, France in World War II, You could do that. You could step into history from this room and see it. You could taste it. You could smell it. You could see what it was like during this time of history. And you can do it for any time in history that you want to go into. So it's like stepping into a holodeck. And I thought to myself, when I get back, that's one of the first things I'm going to go to is go to the what what Star Trek called the holodeck. And I would love to go back and see what it was like during World War II in France and the invasion of Normandy. Mm-hmm. So that was an extraordinary thing that they showed me was the library building. The next thing he took me to was a square building. This was square with columns out front. And he told me 
we take people to this building when they do their life reviews. Hmm. So apparently every time a person has a lifetime, when they come back to the other side or the afterlife, they go through what is called a life review. So we walked in and it was like a theater, like when you go to see a movie in a theater, but on this building, there wasn't just one movie screen. There were a series of movie screens all around in a big circle. So everywhere you looked, you could see a movie screen. And my guide said, this is where you review your life. And all of a sudden, each one of those screens came on like they were like they were showing a movie, but it was about my life. It was about childhood. There was adolescence. There was my school age years in elementary school. And it was like they had the film of my life showing on these screens all the way up to the point where I was 21. All the things I had done, people I had seen, conversations I had had, years of growing up. So I could actually physically see all these different aspects of my life. And that's what they call the life review. And everyone has one. And that's, I think, the whole idea of people being judged has come from early churches about you're going to be judged by God. But when you look at these life reviews, you're not judged at all. Nobody is with you except your spirit guide. And your spirit guide helps you evaluate if you learned what you determined you wanted to learn when you came into the earth in the first place. And that's the whole reason of the life review. Did you accomplish what you'd set out to accomplish? So that's the life review building. The next thing he took me to was another building that was very similar. You walked in and it was a theater. It was a theater in the round like all of our theaters are now. But there was just one screen. And this one screen, he told me, this was to view past lifetimes. So we actually have the ability to come into life more than once. Reincarnation is actually real. Just like you are in this life, you can come into as many lifetimes as you want. It's absolutely unlimited. So on this screen, he said, I want to show you a couple of lives. So all of a sudden the screen started and showed and it, it started like I was watching a movie. And there was one life where I was a monk. I was older. I was a monk in a, in a monastery. I had a red robe on or a red tunic on. And, I, and my job was to teach the young boys about Buddhism and about living in a monk life. Then it switched over to a life as a fisherman where I had nets. And I was in a raggedy old boat, and I was throwing the nets over the side of the, the boat and pulling it back in to catch fish. And the last life he showed me was the life of a shoe peddler. I had a wheelbarrow that I was pushing along this cobblestone street, and I could see it just like I can see you right now. It was just unbelievable. And, I, and my job in that town was to fix people's shoes. So on the wheelbarrow, I had people's shoes stored up. 
And I would go back to the town people and hand out their shoes that I had fixed. So he had shown me that not only do we have this one life, but God has given us the ability to have as many lifetimes as we want to learn and to grow. And I know that that might be a really strange idea for some people who were raised with religion. Catholicism, Christianity doesn't promote the possibility of reincarnation, but it's actually real. And that just blew me away. The next thing he took me to, and this was something else that people can do on the other side for fun. He took me to a castle. Again, he showed me the outside of the castle. The castle was absolutely, it was huge. And he said, every castle that was built on earth is also replicated on the other side. So as I was looking at this castle with the turrets, the stone, there was a, a, what do you call it? A drawbridge. There was a little river and a drawbridge. So he said, walk into the castle. So I walked into the castle and I was immediately met by absolutely beautiful red carpet, just like you see in a castle now. This made you feel like you were in royalty, this beautiful red carpet. And as I walked in, I looked off to the left and there was this huge wall and it was full of life-size paintings. And these paintings were of the royals who had lived in this castle in the past. Like one could have been King George, for example, or Queen Elizabeth. And the life-size paintings had them with what they looked like and what they wore at the time. And there must have been 30 or 40 of them, or maybe more, of these pictures. And in front of each picture, there was a podium. And my guide said, on every podium is a book about that person's life. And when I walked up to it, it, it looked like there was a it looked like a Bible that had been un- that had been opened and laid out. On every single p- picture, there was a there was a book. And the book in front of that picture talked about that person's life, where they were born, how they were raised, conversations that they had had, people that they had met, their whole lifetime was recorded. So if you wanted to learn, if you had an interest in learning about medieval Europe during that time period, you could go to this castle on the other side and you could learn and read and study about these people's lives. And here was the other thing that was just, that just blew me away. As I was standing there looking at these books and looking at these paintings off to my right, there was a staircase. You know how castles had spiral staircases back then? Well, there was a woman that came down this spiral staircase and she walked up to me and I could see her just like I could see you and she could see me. And she said she had strawberry blonde hair. She was about 5'8", and she was wearing a red tunic with a golden sash and sandals. 
And she said to me, she spoke to me and she said, is there anything I can help you with? And instead of saying, oh my gosh, yes, I have a million questions. Where am I? Who are you? What, what am I doing here? What's going on? I simply said to her, no, I'm just looking around. To this day, I still kick myself for saying I was just looking around. Unbelievable. And I found out from my guide that her job on the other side was to be a historian for this particular period of Earth's history. She knew all about the medieval area. I mean, about the medieval era. She knew the kings, the queens, the princes, the princesses. She knew what their lives were about. So that's essentially what her job was on the other side. Because my guide explained to me that we all have work that we do, but we don't do it because we have to pay bills. There's no economics there. You don't have mortgages. You don't have electricity, utility bills. You work at doing things that you absolutely love to do. And what this girl did, what she loved to do was to be a historian during Earth's history. So that was the castle experience. The next thing he showed me, and I'm getting close to being done, so don't worry, I'm almost done. He took me to these sports fields where people could play any kind of sport you could ever imagine. And they were miles and miles long. You could play golf, you could play rugby, football, soccer, anything you wanted to play. These sports fields were there because we have bodies over there and those bodies are better than our bodies are here. They're stronger, they're lighter. And you, if you wanted to, you could play sports all day long and never get tired. It was wonderful because I love to play soccer. And when I get back, I'll be able to play soccer and also do martial arts. One of my favorite hobbies is karate. And they have karate on the other side, just like they have every other sport. But you can't get hurt. Next, he took me to these beautiful, gorgeous meadows, rolling hills, absolutely beautiful. And what these were is these are the meadows where they keep all the animals that we've lost on the earth because our animals go to the other side also. So if you had dogs, if you had cats, animals that you had growing up that died, they're all on the other side waiting for you. And I was, and I saw my cats and I saw my dogs and I almost, I almost started crying because it was such a beautiful thing to see. They're healthy. They're vibrant. They don't have cancer anymore. There is no cancer on the other side. So nobody gets, nobody ages. Your animals don't age. You don't ever lose them again. You don't lose people again. And nobody gets sick. It's an absolute paradise. And I just cannot wait to get back. And here's the last thing that happened. He took me to another meadow that was full of wildflowers. And it was the kind of meadow that you only see in magazines. It was absolutely just beautiful, peaceful, tranquil. I could have stayed there my entire, all of, all of eternity. It was so beautiful and peaceful there. Within a couple of seconds, a man 
showed up in front of me. Again, he was in his 30s. He was so bright. He had so much light coming from his face that I couldn't make out his features. But I could see what he was wearing. He was wearing a white robe. I could see his hands. He was wearing a, a golden sash across his belt line. And he was wearing golden sandals. And again, I couldn't see his face, but he talked to me and he said, you must tell them there is no death. So what he was telling me, and I felt in my heart that I was supposed to go back to my earth life and tell people what I knew and tell them that death is not real. Nobody really dies. You must tell them there is no death. And at the time, I didn't know who this was, but I think it was Jesus. He didn't tell me his name. He just told me, you must tell them there is no death. And so ever since I've had that experience, I have been telling people exactly what he told me. And now that, now that we have the internet, we have Facebook and all these different ways of communicating, I've been able to share my experience more and more. And that's how you heard about my experience was from social media. So Jeff, that's, that's what happened. That was my near-death experience. I wasn't given a choice to come back or to stay because if they had given me a choice, I'd have been like, I want to stay here. It's beautiful here. It's fantastic. It's, it's just absolutely indescribable. You don't want to come back. You want to stay there. But I wasn't given a choice. I was sent back. And the second I was sent back, I opened up my eyes and I was back in the operating room again. Hmm. And what seemed like took an hour was only seven minutes. So they did all of this. They showed me all of these things that what seemed like an hour to me was only seven minutes. So that's what happened. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That was an amazing story. And I was absolutely blown away by what I actually saw. When you came back, was you, were you back and your surgery was over? No, they, they had just, to reschedule Oh wow! because, because I died. I had to go back in and instead of giving me the anesthesia, they gave me local mm -hmm. anesthesia on my hands. Mm. So I had to come back in for the, for the surgery because they didn't want to continue the operation when I had just died and they just brought me blood. They just brought me back. Yeah. So wow. I went, I went back. Wow. It's amazing because I had another guest and I think it was Dr. O'Connor that was on about a month ago or so. And he saw partially very similar to what you saw. And I think he felt like he was back in like Rome or something, Roman columns and stuff. Yep. He didn't yep. get a tour like you did and he wasn't really sure what was going on, but he saw that kind of same Roman place. Yeah. The buildings are absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, the early Romans and the Greeks got the idea is all the, all the information, everything that we get comes from the other side first. So they were just building what they remember. Hmm. That's how it was explained to me. Hmm. I was not exactly clear on the part where you were talking about 
you know, you were there in the building and then, you know, as you look down the corridors and I, I thought that was very interesting how you would see space and that's how you came in. And then you were talking about how the man came in who had a heart attack, but mm -hmm. I didn't, wasn't really clear about, okay, he's not going back. He's here for good or yes. at least until he decides to go back. Exactly. But what was the difference? I mean, did he cross into another room that was light or can you re-explain that for me? Yeah, he, um, I don't know where he died on the earth, if he was in a hospital room or whatnot, but he was wearing regular clothes. Okay. He had like, like he had a, like business clothes on. So he'd had a heart attack either at work or he was at home. He wasn't wearing a hospital gown, but he'd had a heart attack and the tunnel opened up for him. And he saw the tunnel and he saw the white light and he started going down the tunnel mm. following that white light. The white light is what leads people to the other side. And when he stepped through that doorway, he was just finishing his lifetime. He had, his body had died and his soul now was coming through that doorway where he was meeting the counselors. Does that make more sense or am I still confusing? No, I think what I need to ask is usually from what I understand, when someone has an NDE, they don't cross the barrier of not coming back. That's right? true. But it seems like in your experience, you did cross over to where you're not coming back and we're giving an air, a tour of the area where you don't come back from. I think you're right. That's a good way to explain it because he wasn't coming back. Right. Is he... he his heart, he had a heart attack and he officially died. Right. So I, I don't know why I was able to see what I did. Right. My guide never explained, never said, we're going to show you the point that most NDE people never see right. because they're sent back. So I never, I never knew why I was shown that. Yeah. I think that's amazing. What about this? It seems like a lot of people who have experiences, there's parts of it that they don't remember, you know, but you seem to remember everything pretty vividly. Do you think you were yeah. supposed to remember that all or that's a mix up or what? No, I am amazed that I am able to remember every detail like it happened yesterday and I have never forgotten it. And I don't know if it's because... I would talk about it a lot to people, but it, it, it was like it burned into my brain. I remember every detail. Mm -hmm. I even remember touching the marble where those tunnels were and how smooth and cool the marble was to the touch. Because mm. I, I remember hearing people say, no, we don't have bodies on the other side. We're, we're just energy. Well, that's not true because I, everybody that I saw had bodies. Everybody did. The only person I never saw during my NDE was my spirit guide. I never saw him, but he told me his name was Alan mm -hmm. and he took me on the tour and he was right to the left of me the entire time. I just never looked over and looked at him to see what he looked like. He just talked to me. Oh, wow. I think you may have mentioned that where you were you would classify as heaven, although it wasn't called heaven. Is that correct? Yeah. I When I was growing up as a Catholic, mm -hmm. it was always called heaven, but they don't call it that. They call it the other side. They just call but that's, it that. that. That's where I was. I was in the place where we spend eternity 
mm-hmm. or where we go for our life between life. Hmm. That's our real home. That's where we came from. And that's where we go back to. That's where we spend all eternity. All right. After you've had this experience, do you think it's changed you in any way? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The first month afterwards, I went through a horrible, horrible depression. The, the, kind, the kind of depression where I didn't get out of bed. I was, I was a kid. I was 21. I did not want to realize that I wasn't going back there again until my lifetime was over. I wanted to be back there. It is so perfect, so full of love and non-judgment, total acceptance, family, friends are back there. Your animals are back there. Anything you want to pursue in your life, whether you enjoy music or writing or hiking or swimming, you can do all of that there. They have beaches. They have oceans there. It's almost like Earth, but it's so much better. It's much, much better than Earth. And so I had a horrible, horrible time the first month realizing that I'm not going to go back there for a long time. So that was the first part. That was really hard. As time went on, I began to realize and get a lot of hope. I think if anything, it changed me in the sense that there's hope. No matter what happens in my life, no matter who I lose, if it's my father-in-law, like we, like we had six years ago, I know where he is. I know where he went. If I lose a brother-in-law, which I'm losing a brother-in-law to cancer right now, I know where he is. I know where he's going. And I know where I'm going to go too. So it gives me hope in the darkest of times in life because life can have some very dark times. There is hope in knowing that all of our loved ones are over there safe, beyond happy, and enjoying their existence. And that when our lifetimes are through, we get to go back also. So that's really how it changed me. And I think about it, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about the experiences that I had there every single day. It's almost like the ultimate vacation place. Oh, it is. It's, do you remember, did you ever see Harry Potter? Uh, Yes. Do you remember the feeling of, of what it was like, the excitement, the fun, the joy of those movies. Hmm. That's what it's like there for us. It's hmm. like Harry Potter. It's, it's that kind of world where it's exciting. It's joyful. It's love. Anything you want to do there, you can. Hmm. It's, it's just, I feel sometimes like I have to walk in both worlds one foot on that side and one foot on this side because it's too upsetting to think about what it's like there and not being able to go back yet. It's just absolutely wonderful. Did it seem as real as here or maybe even more real? It was more real. That's the real world. This world, the earth is just the world that we come to, to experience and to learn and to grow. Everything on the other side is solid. And I thought, I'd always thought that maybe once we die and we're in spirit, that nothing is solid. But when I touched the marble, it was solid. 
Hmm. When I was in that building where we plan our lifetimes, I touched that table where the scrolls were on and it was solid. So we have solid bodies and the world over there, it's solid. It's real. Hmm. All right. You know what the funniest thing is it almost made me think in order for them to show me all those things in such a short period of time, did they somehow expect me to be there? But how would they know that I was going to have an allergic reaction to the anesthesia and that I would die? How would they possibly know that? But God is extraordinary. It, so I don't, I don't know if they knew and they planned that. It, I, I just don't know. Obviously, I don't know, but I get the feeling that this was a big mix-up. And maybe even while they were making a decision of what to do with you, you got the tour. Yeah. Yeah, I got the absolute tour. And I was and I was only shown a small part of what's there. When you came back, did you feel like, oh, I'm in this place again? This place oh, is yeah. horrible. Yep. It was absolutely it was like coming back into a dark world. Even though there's a lot of beautiful things here, mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to what it's like on the other side. It's absolutely a paradise the beaches that they have there, the sands are, are pure white and the water is crystal blue. Beautiful. I just did not want to go back. It felt like I was coming back into a third world country, the earth, because it is so backward. Hmm. Only on this planet do we have people who starve, people who are homeless, people who go hungry, and, and to come back to a world like that and, and to think that we have the resources to solve all those world problems right now, it's just that we don't allocate those resources to do that. So our planet is still evolving. Hopefully one time, sometime in the future, we'll get to the point where the other planets have evolved, where nobody has to go hungry or die from poor water or, and we can end suffering. But yeah, it was, it felt like I was coming back to just a really hard place to have a lifetime compared to what it's like on the other side. Now you mentioned that you grew up Catholic. Did it change your religious state of mind? after? Yeah. Yep. It absolutely did. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus's life. And I would like to live my life like he did, kindness, compassion, non-judgment, loving, caring for others. But I don't believe in the dogma. I don't believe in he died for our sins or he was a perfect crucifixion. He was a perfect, um, a perfect lamb to sacrifice for our sins. I don't believe any of the dogma. I just believe in what his life was like. Mm-hmm. And when I saw him... And I I don't know who else that could have been in that field because out of everybody else that I saw, nobody had the same kind of energy and the same kind of light that he did. And when he talked to me, you can just feel the sense of absolute love, absolute total acceptance. And he gave me a mission. You must tell them there is no death. 
and just the feeling if if I had only had that experience for my near death experience, I would have been blown away mm-hmm. because it was just so amazing to be in front of his presence and how much he loves people. Now you didn't get to say anything back to Jesus, did you? No. no. The very second he said that, I was transported right back to the hospital room. Hmm. Okay. I didn't get a chance to say anything. And I believe also you said he was so bright that you really couldn't make out any facial features or make out exactly what he looked like, right? Exactly. All I could see were the robe, his hands, mm-hmm. the golden sash around his waist, and his sandals. Everything else was just so bright, I couldn't see him. But you feel confidently sure that it was Jesus? Oh, yeah. I think absolutely from the feeling that I got from him, mm-hmm. it was Jesus. Interesting. What is your thought process about Jesus and his role over there? That's a good question. I think of Jesus as being a special creation from God that he wasn't he wasn't created to be any kind of a sacrificial lamb. He's just a very highly evolved soul who is just full of love and compassion and non-judgment for people and that he was sent to earth to give a very simple ideology from a very he's a very advanced evolved soul and that's what i got when i when i was standing in front of him when you've told the story to your friends and family how have they taken it? They've listened to it a lot. Normally, I, I can't really share my story with people who are fundamentalists because they only believe what's in the Bible. So I only tend to tell people that have expressed an interest or I will reach out to them if they've had a loss of a loved one and try to tell them about my experience. Because I think that the biggest takeaway for me was that it gives people hope. If you lose someone, if you, God forbid, anyone ever has to lose a child, that's the worst kind of hell that there is. But if you know for a fact that they live on and that you're going to see them again when your time is through, It just gives you extra hope to go on, to continue on with your life, to grow, and to know that, yes, it hurts really badly right now, but they're not gone from me forever. I'll be with them again when I cross over. I know you didn't mention this, but um, what are your thoughts on if a child passes over? Would he he change into the 30-year-old self that he would become? Yes, Yep, because we're all souls on the other side, hmm. and we're all in our 30s. And when we come into a lifetime, mm-hmm. our soul goes into a young body mm-hmm. and grows up that way. And when a child passes on, let's say, let's say your child is 12 years old. Well, your, your 12-year-old child isn't 12 years old on the other side. Right. They're 30 on the other side. So when they cross back over, they become the age that they were before they came back in. But when parents cross over, they don't always know what their child looked like at that age. 
So many, many times they will appear what they look like as you remember them. Mm. So you know who they are. Why do you think the age is 30 or 30-ish? And two, do you think that they are or we are aging over there at all? No, we don't age at all. Okay. Our bodies are perfect. We are that age for eternity. Hmm. And the reason why, they never told me. I don't actually know why we're 30. It might just be that that's the age that Christ, that Jesus was. It's kind of a middle point between being an adult and still being young enough to enjoy things that kids like. So, but they didn't really tell me why, but we don't, we definitely don't age. Now you saw many, many planets. Did you see any other beings that would be alien to us from ours? No. When I was looking at the planets, it was like, I, it's like on the planetarium ceiling, they were showing me the planets from orbit and all of them just started showing up, but every one of them had life on them. That's when they said there is far more life in the universe than you realize. And what's also amazing about that is there are other planets that we can go to that we can have lifetimes on millions of them. The universe is full. I, it's, it's like, I remember Carl Sagan saying one time that there are more planets in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. And that's an absolute fact because mm -hmm. when they were showing me the planets, my guide was telling me that it's unlimited millions and millions of planets so you could spend in your entire eternity forever just studying the planets. Hmm. There are so many of them. That's fascinating. After you came back, did you happen to notice if you had any special abilities? Like You know, I, I didn't. I kind of felt gypped. Hmm. I didn't have any special abilities at all. I, I, um, when I was a kid, probably when I was between three and five or six years old, every night I would wake up and there would be a woman sitting on the edge of my bed. And it wasn't my mom because I could see right through her. And she was wearing like what looked like a nun's habit on her head. And I saw her for a couple of years every single night. I have no idea who she was. And as I got older, she stopped showing up and I didn't see her anymore. But what, that was the only ability that I had as a, as a child. And after my near-death experience, I didn't get any kind of clairaudience or special abilities. I, I felt kind of like I got gypped after I'd heard about other people's stories. Mm -hmm. I just got the knowledge and the tour and the hope that goes along with all of that. Besides the depression, did you have any other after effects that you had to manage? No, not really. The depression was, I think, the hardest, the hardest one for me. Because when you're there, all of these years since I've been trying to explain what it was like, I have never adequately been able to explain to someone what it feels like. The feeling 
is so much love and so much peace and acceptance. It's something that we don't have here on earth and it comes from God. And it took me a while. It took me a long time to not let that be so depressing anymore. And even now I will probably spend a couple of hours every week looking on YouTube at people's near death experiences. And that's where I found your show. Mm. Cause I love to read about people's experiences. It keeps it fresh in my mind and it brings back that feeling again of absolute love. And that's going to be there for all of us when it's our turn to cross over. And for some reason, whatever, whatever reason they gave me this uh, amazing tour of what it's like when we cross over. And, and ever since then, I've just felt like it's been my job to share what I learned. And a lot of people don't believe it when I share it. And that's okay. They'll find out what happens when they cross. But mostly what I've done is just try to do what Jesus told me to do. And that's what I've been doing most of my life, just sharing what they told me. All right. Well, I'm going to switch gears on you. Okay. Are you a public or private person? Because, you know, people may see this podcast and then see you on Facebook and want to reach out to you. Oh, I love it when people reach out to me. Yeah, people can reach me on Facebook under John J. Davis. And I, I love talking to people. Okay, that's awesome. Do you have any other social media um, accounts that you're active in, like Instagram or Twitter? No, not really. I'm I'm trying to get better with my technology. I'm I'm getting really good at Facebook now. So I do that. And I talk to people a lot through Facebook. And one of the things that I've been doing is and this is one of the reasons I love talking to people is people will find my story and they'll text me or get me on Facebook and just want to see if my experience was really real. Did I really see all those things? Is it really as good as you make it out to be? And it is, it's absolutely that wonderful. So I'm going to try to get a presence more on Instagram and some other social media sites, but right now I'm just mostly on Facebook. I wish some artist would hook up with you and paint or draw or design a lot of the things you've seen because oh, that would be amazing. That would be fantastic. I, I try to explain what it's like to see that orientation building with the tunnels. It's, it's, I can't explain what it really looked like and to give it justice. It was absolutely the most beautiful building you can ever imagine seeing and people who finish their lifetimes come through these, these tunnels and they meet with these counselors. And it's, it's just extraordinary. And after all of these years, none of it has ever faded from my memory. Hmm. It's just as crystal clear as it was then. Hmm. But you're right. I would love to have someone who could actually draw or paint what these things looked like. Because I can still see them just like I did then. I mean, even better if they, if they could make it into like a movie. Yeah, that would be really neat too. That yeah. would that would be able to show people what it's really like there. Yeah. And nobody, and that would take away people's fear of death. I think that's the one thing that people have told me that they've taken away from hearing my story is that they're no longer afraid of dying. 
And if I can share that with people and I can help people, then I will consider my life a success. That's great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message you want to share with the audience? I would say the last message I have is there's absolute, absolutely every reason to be hopeful. There are going to be horrible things that happen on earth that we have to go through, but it's not going to be permanent. It's not forever. And our reward for coming into this lifetime and doing our best is when we come to the end of our life, we go back to the other side and there's hope. So no matter who you lost in your life, if it was a loved one or a friend or a child or a spouse, don't ever give up hope because you're going to be with them again and you'll be with them for all eternity and you'll never lose them again. So always, always have hope. That's a great message. Thank you for that. And thank you for being my guest again. I really appreciate you. This was awesome. I love your show and I am just so, so grateful to be on your show. It's such a, you do such a great work for people. I'm just honored to be on. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And without guests like you, there is no show. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Well, thank you. I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, have a great evening. Thank you, Jeff. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.